Welcome to Locked On NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Wes Goldberg, Warriors beat writer for the Bay Area News Group and host of Locked On Warriors here with David Rommel, the host of Locked On Heat. And on today's show, we ask the important questions as training camps across the league start today, including the situations we're monitoring the most, which newcomer will have the biggest impact on his new team. And then we end the show with some bold predictions. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Training camp starts today in the NBA after a whirlwind offseason that saw the trade season start, drafts, free agency, all happen within a matter of days. Uh, and now with the dust settled and camp starting, which situation are you most interested in monitoring, David? Has the dust settled? Like it, it really does feel like so much is still going on. And still I feel like absolutely. the dust is kicked up. I yeah, I am. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I feel like Hunter S. Thompson covering that race in, in the middle of the California desert somewhere. Uh, <laughs> goggles covered in sand. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> you know, the easy answer is the Houston Rockets, right? Because that is the, the, the drama that's been building up all offseason. And we've seen a lot of changes there over the last few weeks. And, and so everybody loves a good train wreck, I guess. But to me, the situation that is really very interesting is Stan Van Gundy's first training camp in a number of years with the New Orleans Pelicans. Like, I have absolutely no idea how that's going to play out. And I am absolutely marveled at, at the ability for Van Gundy to mesh with these really strange combination of players. You've got established veterans like J.J. Redick and Steven Adams. You've got Eric Bledsoe coming in there from the Milwaukee trade. You've got Lonzo Ball and, and of, of course, you know, a number of key young players there that are still trying to develop and find their footing. You know, it's such an interesting combination of players. And, of course, there's the Zion Williamson factor hanging over all of it. And it's just how does Van Gundy, who has been, to me, at least in my opinion, all over the spectrum when it comes to his ability to mesh with players. Like, he's either been really, really good, or if there's veteran presence there, they, they kind of – they get a little bit too – well, he's a little too excitable at times. And I don't know that he's been able to make that adjustment over the course of his career. So I, I'm not quite sure. Like, he's really good at developing young players, but at the same time, some older, more established veterans bristle at his overly energized approach at times. And so I wonder what he's going to be able to do in New Orleans. And, and, of course, he's hired there. I didn't really think it was the best fit from the coaching perspective. I know a lot of people love it. I'd like Van Gundy. As a coach, I think overall he has a lot of good qualities, but how he handles this training camp and, and ultimately, what is their goal there? Like, I, I guess on the surface, you could say it's a playoff berth, but even then, are you infringing on the development of their players in order to capitalize on this win now movement? You have this glut of talent there and a coach who's prepared to take this team into the postseason, but is that sacrificing the development of y, uh, Williamson and, uh, and others? And, and so it's there's a lot of questions going into the Pelly's training camp, and I'm not sure that we're going to get answers right away, but I'm curious to see how it all winds up playing out. Yeah, their offseason was all over the place. You lose Drew Holiday. I thought Derek Favors was a big loss for them. Um, and then they lose a bunch of like depth pieces, but I thought they made up for it. I, I actually like the guys that they added as far as depth sure. goes with Bledsoe and George Hill. Steven Adams makes sense as the new Derek Favors. A lot of people were want, like, questioning the move, saying, like, why would you – take Steven Adams from Oklahoma City when Al Horford was sitting right there. And he's a better fit on paper than uh, Steven Adams is with Zion Williamson. And my answer to that always is Steven Adams is 27 years old and better 
than Al Horford and the hell with your fit, just go get the better player. Um, I, I think that we sort of fetishize fit a little bit too much when we talk about these sort of transactions as far and, and don't really give enough credit. I think Adams is going to help solidify that defense. And if Zion Williamson really is the player that they think he is, it's not going to matter who's playing center, right? He should, he should be able to fit next to anybody. And uh, I think that that's going to come. And just because you're paying Steven Adams $27 million for the next three years doesn't mean he has to be on the floor to end the games, especially if you're, you know, you got Zion Williamson and, and Lonzo Ball and these sort of players on, on you know, bargain deals. Um, they brought back Brandon Ingram. I thought that was a nice offseason for them. It's going to be interesting, though, to see how Stan Van Gundy makes these pieces fit because he's no longer the GM like he was in Detroit. Um, you would imagine he has some say in what's going on, but David Griffin is a really proven good general manager. I think he won – he did a good job this offseason if you're talking about building for the future and getting guys and what they got in that Drew Holiday trade is going to set them up to just keep adding pieces to, to uh, Zion and this group going forward. But it's clear that the core of this team is Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram. They have those guys locked in. And then you can mix and match the pieces around that. And the salaries of guys like Bledsoe and George Hill, you could stack those up and go make another move. You've got movable assets now you've got a bunch of first round picks like this team is far from being completely assembled so I don't mind the fit but still to your point Stan Van Gunny's going to try to win as many games as he can and I did this exercise over on Lockdown Warriors trying to rank the Western Conference and to me the Pelicans are in a tier with Memphis just sort of out of the um to me the teams that are definitely going to be in the wild card mix barring any crazy injury or whatever of course but um it, it's no, I, largely I what? Sorry, I should add that George Hill is actually with the Thunder now. I I, I don't blame you uh, for not knowing that because I just had to look see, it up. I, dust is I all felt like he eyes. wasn't on the <laughs> yeah. I felt like he wasn't on the team, but I'm thinking to myself, where the hell did he get traded? Like there were so many moving players around, it was impossible. In that case, the hell with the Pelicans' playoff chances. They they got nothing. No, I actually like Kira Lewis Jr. with the 13th pick. I thought that was a nice pick for them too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, it, it's going to be interesting for Van Gundy to see how he can maximize this roster because you've got an, two all-star caliber players, I think, in Zion and Brandon Ingram. Um, and you've got some nice depth all the way around that, that group. I, I, this, this is a team that, if things break right, could make the playoffs, and it's going to be largely dependent on Zion Williamson, but, but also on how Van Gundy gets this group uh, to play together. And that's, that's If you base on what he's like to do, it's always inside out, right? Right. And... You know, how many great shooters do you have? Brandon Ingram had a nice shooting season. We'll see if that carries. You obviously got J.J. Redick there. Lonzo Ball has, you know, become a nice shooter from three-point range. But it's not Bledsoe, that's for sure. <laughs> it's not going to be Bledsoe. And uh, Kira Lewis, I guess, is a good shooter from the perimeter. But I, I don't know. I don't know how you play inside out with this team. Yeah, I, I mean, that is one of the big questions there. I mean, and maybe – Maybe he's capable of making adjustments at this point in his career. I, I mean, that, that's another huge right. concern, I guess, for Pelicans fans is, is what version of Van Gundy are we getting? If he's incapable of making changes, and of course, you want to stick to your tenets, you want to stick to the principles that got you to this point in the first place. But I mean, we always hear about coaches in particular taking some time off to kind of reevaluate and, and figure out things. And, and we saw this from Tom Thibodeau, and I was personally excited to hear that Thibodeau was taking some time off because of course the knock on him was always the same that he's, he's so committed to the grind that he runs players knees into the into powder and then we're hearing all this talk about him you know making adjustments and then he goes to the Minnesota Timberwolves and what does he do the exact same thing all over again and so he made zero adjustments and I think that's just the standard I think you know coaches always talk about making changes and then they actually don't so I wonder whether or not Van Gundy might be the first 
Um, the most interesting team that I'm looking at in training camp is the Brooklyn Nets and what this thing looks like with Kevin Durant coming back. This guy who has not played since June of last year. What is he the top two, top three player in the NBA like he was before? I don't know. And we're going to find out, I think. And that's going to that's going to impact whether or not Brooklyn is a title contender or not. Right. Because outside of Durant, yeah, you've got this nice roster. You've got Kyrie Irving there. Who's a top 15 player in the league when he's playing and healthy. And then, um, and, and not just, you know, playing uh black hole offense, but uh, you know, Karis Levert's a nice piece. They brought back Josh Harris. Um, they, they've, they've got, um, you know, Deandre Jordan, Jared Allen, like some, there's some nice pieces there, but it all depends on how good Durant is because if you look in the East, there's a pretty clear top five group, right? You've got Milwaukee, Miami, Philadelphia, Brooklyn, and Charlotte, right? I'm kidding, not Charlotte, Boston. But um, that group, to me, I think the Nets can finish anywhere between fifth in that group. So you're bumping the Raptors out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think the Raptors are – I'm sorry, Canada, again, but you're playing your whole season in Tampa. And you and Zach Lowe, what do you have against players. the They – they're not going to be as good. I'm sorry. Like, how much longer can Kyle Lowry pull this team? I don't know. Wow. I just think, look, I, I think the Raptors are going to be a playoff team, but they're below. They're not a title contender. They're just not. And, they're, and these teams are. So they're, they're, they're a playoff team. They're the sixth best team in the East. Congrats. You're not one of the top five teams in the East. Um, it's, it's the Bucks. It's the Heat. It's the Nets. It's the Sixers. And it's the Celtics in some order. And I don't know what the order is. And the Nets could be fifth or they could be first. And I have no idea. And it all depends on what Kevin Durant looks like and how he plays with Kyrie Irving. I think it's going to be a good fit. I mean, you know how I feel about it. I talked about this a few weeks ago. And my, my feeling is that the Nets weren't being talked about enough because I, I don't know if I necessarily lean as strongly into that, that, ethos as you do about acquiring as much talent as possible but I think it also has to do with fit and I think these two players can't fit well together and the other players in this roster fit alongside of them I think a lot of the talk it's it's fun and kind of interesting to talk about these players and their huge egos and there's no denying that a player like Irving can be somewhat uh, unpredictable and and so chaotic but he fit alongside a player like LeBron James and won a championship as a result and I think as Sensitive, perhaps. It might be the best word to describe Durant. I, I think he can still be a really, really, really great player. I, I, I think he's going to be healthy. And given that, if you've got that kind of talent on your roster, I, I think it bodes well for that team. So, you know, the Steve Nash hire mm. is so out of left field that I, it, it seems like it probably works, you know. Like, instead of doing a 180, it's probably closer to a 360 where it goes all the way around and winds up back being a smart decision. You overthink it so much, and you go, is that the right move? Is that the right fit for this team? And because the players bought into this, because you know that hire was made with Irving and Durant's approval, to me, it's probably a really, really good decision. And I think and it also has- shows that I think Durant is driving this thing and not Kyrie Irving. With Steve Nash being there as sort of the Durant whisperer, being able to get the most out of them and put an offense in place that maximizes Kevin Durant, not necessarily Kyrie Irving makes sense. I think you need, I think Durant is similar to Kawhi and that they probably function best um, sometimes off the ball or when they're not the lead ball handler all the time and having Kyrie to run an offense and take some of that off of Durant's plate. The same way that Westbrook and Steph and Draymond did it in Golden State is going to be helpful. I do have one concern and, and maybe you've thought about this as well. But who is the emotional leader 
in the, on that roster because I I don't think it's either Irving or Durant. Like honestly, I I don't think either of them are are equipped yeah. or fit for that role. They've never had to have it. Durant certainly didn't do it in Golden State, and he didn't do it in Oklahoma City. It was Westbrook there, and, and I imagine it was still Draymond even during Durant's tenure, much to Durant's chagrin. So I, I mean, I look at that roster. Is it DeAndre Jordan? Is he? Does he still at this age and at this point in his career have the kind of oomph in the locker room where he, he still holds sway over everybody? Can he talk and inspire everybody to play better than they were? If not Jordan, then I don't know who it is. Uh, I have no idea. And I don't know that locker room well enough, uh, but it would seem to me that it has to be somebody like DeAndre Jordan because all these other players could be on the outs by the time. That's the a good point. Yeah. I cringe at the idea that it might be Kyrie Irving. It might not be the leader that you want or deserve, but it might be the one you get because of all the personalities in that locker room. His is the biggest. I think that's fair. And so I don't, I don't really know what that culture is. And that's going to be, I think, largely on Steve Nash to try to, to guide and, and figure out is, is that locker room more than just the X's and O's stuff. I mean, Steve Nash comes from, I know he was this genius basketball player. I think a lot of people are thinking that he's going to walk into Brooklyn with this great playbook and stuff. You don't need a great playbook when you've got Durant and Kyrie Irving. They are the playbook. They will figure it out. You know, I think Steve Nash is coming from the Steve Kerr school of it's all about culture and, and the Steve Kerr school is the Phil Jackson school and they're going to try to establish a culture. And I think that's, that's Nash's job. All right, let's take a quick break. And after that, we will tell you which newcomer will have the biggest impact on his new team. That's coming up here on Locked on NBA. But first, David, tell our listeners about Built Go. Well, you know, Wes, just recently, Thanksgiving passed, and, and I was I absolutely wiped out. Like my son, who if you're, you're not aware of this, he's a two-year-old, and he's got so much energy. It's boundless. I wish I had a tenth of it. But he is exhausting to deal with after a long, long day and with the holidays and everything else. So many, not family members, but just a lot going on in the household, even if it's just a few of us. And I, I hit a wall. But you know what I did? I went to Built Go because that was the solution for me. It's a healthy replacement for an energy drink, but it's not got any of those fake additives, just natural ingredients that last. It's so easy to carry around, just one and a half ounce packages that you can just take with you whenever uh, at a meeting at work or to power through a workout. If you're out playing golf or anything, just put it in your pocket, get through your day. And it's the best workout gel on the market. It comes in three delicious flavors. My favorite's the peanut butter honey. My wife likes the chocolate mint. There's also chocolate coconut. All three are delicious. And you know, a lot of people ask me, how does it work so well? And my answer, well, it combines energy gel with collagen protein that gets absorbed into your system quickly using vitamins, nutrients, honey, and just a kick of caffeine to keep you going strong while strengthening joints, soft tissues, hair, and skin. I'm not a scientist, but I know it works. You feel good. You look good, too. Visit BillGo.com and use the promo code LOCKED. You'll get 20% off your next order. So use the promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BillGo.com. Let's go. If you haven't already, now is a perfect time to hit that subscribe button to get episodes of Locked on NBA every day. Uh, David, which newcomer will have the biggest impact on his new team? I, like, it's probably a pretty safe answer, but to me, the one that's most intriguing is Chris Paul. Yeah, you know, I, don't, I can't recall another big name being moved around. And it's not just about the bigness of the name. It's also about the kind of impact that they'll have in the locker room. To tie it into what we were talking about in that first segment, you know, you look at a talented team, and they still need a, a rudder. They need something to steer them in the right direction. And while Phoenix 
at a surprisingly great showing in the Orlando bubble, you could probably still make an argument that they were missing that rudder. And I think that's where Chris Paul comes in. And, and look, maybe it's, you know, kind of diminishes the player that he is uh, to kind of just say, well, now he can go in there as an emotional leader. He's still very good on the floor. And we saw that last year in Oklahoma City as far as his on-the-court play. But his impact off the court, like that was a team that a lot of people thought were completely washed. Like they were, they had gone through this massive change. They traded Russell Westbrook. They looked like they were one step away from blowing up. And instead, between Chris Paul and and the veteran players on that team and some young players there like Shea Gilgis-Alexander, they wound up having a really, really great season. And and I think we're starting to see that he's capable of doing this pretty regularly because he did it in Houston. He was able to carry that team. Uh, you know, obviously they had a lot of talent there, more talent than they do in Phoenix. But the point is that he goes to Phoenix now, and you've got young players like DeAndre Ayton and, and Devin Booker, and they made some nice signings over the offseason as well. And that's a really good, solid roster that now has fits everywhere. They have just what you're looking for. They have defensive players. They've got offensive players. they got players with experience. they got young players that are hungry to prove themselves. That kind of balance, that kind of mix. And now you add a personality like Paul's who has bought in completely and wants to be in Phoenix. And I think that's, that bodes so well for that team. I think they're, they're really, they're not just going to be a playoff team to me. I think they're going to be closer to a 50 win team. Uh, No, maybe not 50 wins, 50 wins over the course of a seven or an 82 game season over a 72 game season, maybe 45 wins. That's still very good. Mm -hmm. And, And I think they have that kind of potential. Yeah, I'm all in on the Phoenix Suns too. And maybe maybe I'm like you and I'm buying a little bit too much into what I saw in the bubble. But I love these pieces that they – like Devin Booker is a star. Like he is yeah. a bona fide star. Mikal Bridges is going to – could make an all-NBA defensive team this coming season. Cameron Johnson we laughed at last year. And he had a really nice year for them, especially, again, in the bubble. DeAndre Ayton took a big step. If he takes another step in year three, like he did between years one and two, watch out for him. And then Jalen Smith, you talk about guys that we laughed at. Like, I, it, it seemed like a reach at the time at number 10. But if it works out the way the Cameron Johnson pick work out, worked out and it's just a good fit, then you're not going to be able to knock it. And he's a good three-point shooting floor spacer. And, and yeah. you put Chris Paul on top of all that, running, running that show – uh, with what he's going to be able to bring from a culture aspect, I guess my biggest question with Chris Paul is, is, is he enough to overcome some of this stuff that we've heard about the Suns as an organization? Some of this negativity that we've heard about Robert Sarver, who just tends to screw it up every chance he gets. And it seems like the last couple of years, this, the Suns are coming out of it. And you, you've got to give James Jones some credit there too. But yes. um, like you just heard, like I know with Kelly Oubre, it's all guys that leave Phoenix. I mean, he was just talking to the you know uh, media covering the Warriors the other day and talking about how it was such a dysfunctional environment that just and Robert Sarver didn't care about the product on the floor. He just wanted to get his revenue share and walk away and make money. That's all he cared about. Um, he didn't care about setting a nice culture or the organization in general. You know, the 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 environment of the organization. And so, wow. is Chris Paul going to be enough to come in? Who has been nothing but a culture setter everywhere he's been. Is he going to be able to come in and overcome whatever toxicity exists? Now, I don't know the level of that toxicity. I don't know the degree that it permeates everything. Bad, from, Uber, right? Uh, I don't know how the, the level it, it permeates the rest of that organization from the front office down to the locker room. But um, you wonder if Chris Paul, just being Chris Paul, is going to be enough to sort of wipe that away at least for one season. I think it will be. 
I think when you talk about just a tight locker room, like, like it is in the NBA and given that you're not going to have fans, you're not going to, it's just, it's going to be so basketball centric this season. Um, I tend to think that Chris Paul can do that. And I, and I, I think he is the answer for the, the, the newcomer who's going to make the biggest impact on his new team. That said, I would like to bring up another name just for the sake of conversation. That's Drew Holiday. Um, and by the way, for the Suns, I do have them as not a lock into the playoffs, but pretty, but a lock to at least make that wild card round. And it wouldn't shock me if they ended up just like, how good could Phoenix be before we move on to Drew Holiday? Like top, like what is their ceiling? Like realistically, I think it's four or five in the West would like be if everything breaks right. Like I was saying before. Yeah. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen in Houston. And, and, you know, we, we talked about it in the first segment that that's an easy answer as far as, you know, watching what might happen there, it could all blow up very quickly. And if that's the case between a new coach, new front office, and some players that might not necessarily be happy playing alongside each other, it could absolutely take them out of that top, you know, that, that top tier in the Western conference. And so you expect the LA teams to be there. Golden State probably falls out because of what happened with Clay, And so, I mean, there's questions. This is right for, for Phoenix making a nice, solid run. We saw it with Oklahoma City last year. That was a team that everybody discounted. And I think there's obviously more talent on the Suns roster than there was in that Thunder team. Mm-hmm. So, given all that, I, I, I like their chances of being a top five team. Yeah, I like them a lot, too, especially because outside Chris Paul, all these guys can realistically take leaps. You know, I think Devin Booker – even if you say he is what he is and he's only going to be better playing next to a guy like Chris Paul. Right. And so for sure. Um, yeah. I think you can realistically see all these guys take leaps and there's a lot of power in that, even marginal upgrades, marginal, you know, improvement, internal improvement can make for a really big difference. If you sort of smooth that out across a roster. And that's sort of what I'm talking about when I bring up Drew holiday as one of these guys who can make a big impact is I don't really know how much better Drew Holiday is than Eric Bledsoe in the regular season. I don't know how, I don't know if Drew Holiday is the, the bona fide number two that you typically want next to a star number one like Giannis, but he is a marginal upgrade over Bledsoe and George Hill, right? You at least know that he's going to show up in the playoffs. Drew Holiday is one of these guys that always plays better in the playoffs. He's, and I think the Bucks have had a shortage of those guys in the past, and now they got one of those guys in Holiday, but, um, it on paper doesn't seem like a huge difference and doesn't look as good as if they would have had Bogdan Bogdanovich, who strikes me as one of those guys, even though we've never seen him in the playoffs, but um, is a marginal upgrade at that position enough to take Milwaukee over the top in the postseason when in the playoffs, it's a game of inches, as you know, people like to say. It, it, so even if it's a couple of inches of an upgrade, that could be the difference maker in a playoff series. I, uh, yeah, I mean, I could see why that addition makes, I think it's also, I mean, we, we're kind of overlooking Chris Middleton here, right? I, I mean, and that's, it's easy to do because he's been long ignored and, and kind of uh, undervalued. And now it seems like it's gone the other way where he's kind of somewhat overvalued. But uh, I, I feel like he's still a very complimentary player to Giannis. Uh, but the question in the playoffs wasn't Middleton, at least not for me. Like, seeing the Heat dismantle Milwaukee up close, it, it was really about Adetokounmpo. Like, you can make whatever changes you want to the surrounding cast, but Adetokounmpo was the player who was limited. And, and you, know, you know, miss me with that injury talk. I don't want to hear anything about that because they actually played better without Adetokounmpo in the lineup. And so, to me, he's the big question mark moving forward there. I think Drew is going to be complimentary, good enough 
to to make an impact there, particularly defensively when you, they have so many other guards that might be able to torch this lineup. Uh, you know, you were counting on Bledsoe for his defense. I think you get an upgrade there. Uh, well, maybe not a huge upgrade, but a, a slight one, as you hinted at, with, with Holiday. Uh, I think he's, you know, capable of scoring. Uh, he, he's not going to be a non-factor the way Bledsoe was. And they made some other smart additions to that roster as well. It's not like you know, they, they were just building around Holiday here. They, they want to add him to the mix, and, and we'll see how it can fit. But I, I think it is going to be a good fit. But I think so much of that has to do with Adetokounmpo being able to take his game to another level and, and whether or not, you know, the, the, the contract idea starts hovering over this team and whether or not he gets traded and all this supposition about where he'll be playing next season. We've seen teams break as a result. I mean, the Warriors – with Durant and that free agency and everything else, it was such a chaotic period there. And, I mean, we've seen LeBron in, in Cleveland and in Miami, and, and, you know, superstar players can, you know, dismantle a team whether they want it or not. Like, he'd rather just focus on basketball, but he has to make a life-altering decision at some point. And whether he makes it in the next few weeks or whether he makes it at the end of the next season, uh, it's still going to hang over this team, at least in the short term. And he's going to get a chance in training camp to kind of give this a test drive before he wants to take it off the lot, right? And so, look, I don't love the rest of what they did in free agency. I thought it was really just rearranging deck chairs. Like, good, you brought in DJ Augustin, Bobby Portis, Bryn Ford, Torrey Craig, like just some dudes that are replacing other dudes. I don't know that they got better or worse from a depth perspective, but Holiday to me is one of these guys who may be able to get to, to make Giannis better. Um, he's a good ball handler, if not, he's not a great exceptional ball handler, but he can run pick and roll for you. He can run an offense for you. You trust him to make the right decisions. And he's a good enough three-point shooter where you're not worried about the floor. Like Eric Bledsoe and Giannis had a hard time running pick and roll because nobody respected Bledsoe as a three-point shooter. So you just crowded the paint and you built a wall like we saw Miami do to them in the second round. You can't really do that with Holiday because Giannis could just kick it out back to Holiday and he can – if you go under on the screen, he's going to be able to shoot some threes at enough at enough of a rate that you've got to you know play up on him, and he can burn you that way. Um, George Hill was a good enough three point shooter to run that pick and roll, and he was a good defender, but he couldn't really run the pick and roll that well. He wasn't a great facilitator, and so he didn't really love his ball handling. He was more of an off ball kind of guy. And so Holiday to me is that guy who can run the pick and roll. That's all it takes. If that wall is now one person less, and that makes it easier for Giannis to get through, if he has to split a double team instead of a triple team, we've seen him do that over and over and over again in the regular season. It might just have this effect that it sort of raises the tide and, and turns Milwaukee into, you know, this regular season and bus team to a team that could be really, um, you know, potent in the playoffs. I don't know. I don't, that to me is the biggest question, but I, I do think the Drew Holiday thing is really massive for them. I think that's a really important move for them. We'll talk about all of our bold predictions next here on Locked On NBA. If you want to get basketball smart, it starts with listening to the Hollinger and Duncan podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. NBA analytics pioneer and front office insider John Hollinger joins Dunked On Podcast host Nate Duncan to bring you scouting reports, game breakdowns, and salary cap analysis. Subscribe to Hollinger and Duncan today, wherever you, you get podcasts. Uh, David, we want to end the show with the most fun thing we could possibly think of. Bold predictions for something to happen between now and the regular season. So not bold predictions for the regular season. We've got a few weeks of training camp and preseason about to happen. What's your bold prediction of something to happen between now and the start of the regular season? I don't think Giannis signs a Supermax extension. 
Wow. I think, yeah, I just, uh, you know, I don't want to be the fly in everybody's fandom or soup, but I think he just, uh, I don't know. I don't get any faith from this Bucks for an office. And I don't want to, you know, disparage what they've been able to accomplish over the offseason and everything else like that. But I just, I feel like the more you look at those teams, and I know a lot of people want to make the argument that this is, bad for small market teams no i don't think it's bad for small market teams i think it's bad for small market teams that don't make good decisions and have not over the course of their franchise history this is less to do with the fact that they're playing milwaukee which may or may not be ideal honestly i've never been there i can't say for certain i just i know it may not be i or, or you know, the kind of place that most 25 year old men don't want to live or want to live in or, or play or or work in but either way, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that the decisions that te- this team has made haven't been the best to maximize what Adetokounmpo can do. And, and maybe that falls somewhat on him, just like it does for every superstar player. You have a burden to carry when you are the best team, uh, the best player on, a, on your respective team. So I understand that completely. But there have been some questionable coaching moves, some questionable hires, some questionable roster changes, things of that sort. And if that's the case... You look around you and you say, maybe I want something different. Yeah. And I don't know. I'm not making any predictions. I don't think he signs elsewhere. I don't think he explores a sign and trade with Miami or Toronto or Dallas or anybody outright. I'm just, I think he wants to keep his options open. And I think that not signing the extension gives him that opportunity. And if he's looking for some flexibility and some freedom to be able to make those, look, I mean, that, that has to hold a part in your decision-making process, right? Like you get drafted onto a team. But here you are as a free agent for the first time in years, and you can say, I can live and work anywhere I want. 29 other teams will take my talents in a heartbeat. And if that's the case, I mean, is there really enough in Milwaukee, in the city of Milwaukee, and on the Milwaukee Bucks roster and front office to say, yeah, this is the place for me? I don't, I don't see it that way. And if that's the case, I don't see why he wouldn't explore other options. Especially if you look at some of these teams that are hoarding cap space for 2021. Toronto has shown that they can build a championship team around a wing player like Giannis. Uh, Miami has shown that they could do the same thing and get really interesting. And I think you got to look at what Eric Spolster and that group did in the playoffs and be impressed. Dallas, I mean, if Giannis pairs up with Luka, forget about it. Like, I, I know who's won the next two championships. Just forget about it. And I, I, I don't I, – I, I think you're right. If – the only reason to keep Giannis there is just the money. And I don't know. I'm not saying it matters one way or the other. I don't know how much importance the money makes. That super max type of money uh, plays in his life versus wanting to win a championship versus wanting to live in a certain place or not or and, whatever. And I, can, I can hear a Bucks fan screaming on the other end as they're hearing this, but loyalty, but loyalty. Why does loyalty have to exist from the player side only? When has a franchise shown loyalty? Like, they'll trade your ass in a heartbeat if you're not any good or if you want to, you know, if they don't want to build around you. Even if you're a star player that has devoted your life, your family's life, and, and, and moved to be in this team and in the city, they'll trade you in a heartbeat. So I, let, let's, not, let's not use loyalty as a weapon or a shield because it's just disingenuous. Uh, I, I think, like, he can, he can feel fondly about said city that drafted him. But he's from Greece. It's not like he grew up in Milwaukee. You know, he, he, he spent seven years of his life there. It's time, it might be time for him to explore other options. And look, that could I also change. think, by the way, it's insulting when people are like, well, he's, in, he's from Greece. He should be unhappy in Milwaukee. 
a lot, that, that's a conversation that comes up a lot. I'm like, why are I've you I've never insulting? heard that one. Oh, like, it's, it's, it's not like he's one of these, you know, how Paul George grew up in L.A. and wanted to get back to L.A. or a player that wanted to okay. go to – that grew up in New York and wanted to get to New York. It's like, oh, he's from Greece. He doesn't have loyalty to any city in – in the, in the United States. And it's like, all right, fine. But it doesn't mean that all of a sudden he's just cool with living anywhere. And again, no disrespect to Milwaukee. It's not just right. anywhere. I think it's a fine city, but it, maybe he doesn't, I, you know, and just, you can't, you can't shout out, you can't do a throwback reference to the time that he discovered uh, Smoothie King in Milwaukee and say, Hey, you know, he's, it's, he's got everything he needs. I just, I find yeah. it rather insulting to immigrants. Honestly, that's, that's, yeah. I think it's a, it's not a, a conversation worth having. Um, I don't know whether or not he signs a Supermax or not. I do wonder how much the botched Bogdanovich deal factors into his confidence. You got the sense, at least, that Milwaukee made those moves under saying, like, hey, we're going to go get Holiday and Bogdanovich for you, and you're going to resign at the Supermax. And you got the sense that they had a wink-wink maybe deal with him, but right. 50% of that didn't happen. And so I think anything can happen at this point. I think that's Are you a conspiracy theorist now when it comes to that. Cause I, I mean, Bucks, Bucks Reddit must be a, a wash with conspiracies. Like I I've seen them blast Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN and everybody in between. Uh, do you have any inside information regarding uh, what went wrong there? Who leaked this information to league offices? I have no insight or a guess, but my, I would, I would venture to say that when you're dealing with a team that likes to screw things up in Sacramento, and another team that was probably over-anxious to get that news out in Milwaukee and try to get Giannis to sign that Supermax. You yeah. had, and, and by the way, stepping on a rule that doesn't really exist anyway in tampering, you know, it's kind of this, hey, we tamper, we know you tamper, but don't make a big show out of it. Like, they basically went on David Letterman or whatever one that Magic Johnson went on. I don't think, I think Letterman was off the air by that point. Magic Johnson went on his own show, right? I mean. <laughs> or, and did the wink, wink to Paul George. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. I can't remember what show that was. I it, can't remember Jimmy what Fallon? that was. I'm sorry. Maybe it, it probably was Jimmy Fallon. Um, I, it, that was basically equivalent of what the Bucks did was, Hey, look at us. We're getting Drew Holiday and we're signing and trading for Bogdanovich before free agency started. They were selling Bogdanovich jerseys out of the Bucks team store. That's I mean. right. And so they, they were punished for it, you know? And, and I have the feeling that the, even if Bogdanovich wanted to go to Milwaukee, wasn't going to happen. Just like if Paul George wanted to go to the Lakers, the league wasn't going to let it happen. That's, that's at least my conspiracy theory in our reporting. Um, my big bold prediction before the regular season starts is that we get one more big trade between now mm-hmm. and then. I don't know what big means. I don't know if big is James Harden big. I don't know if big is Russell Westbrook big. I don't know if big is like Derrick Rose or Spencer Dinwiddie big. But I do think we get another trade that's going to grab headlines between now and the regular season. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, look, I, I, you know, our, our, our boss, David Locke, made a great point uh, weeks ago, I think, when breaking down the potentials for this shortened season because he, he hinted at the fact that he could see a lot of teams making trades very quickly like within the first few weeks of a season because you're kind of feeling out right away like I mean, there are so many games condensed in such a short amount of time that by the end of January you already know whether or not you're a contender or not and you might want to make a change right away as you're trying to angle to be one of these teams with cap space who knows how it plays out there are a lot of players that are disgruntled there's a lot going on behind the scenes that we don't really take into consideration when it comes to COVID related impacts on team finances and things of that sort. And given all this, given the uncertainty behind the scenes, there is, there's probably going to be a lot more 
willingness to trade names and players and things of that sort. And so, yeah, to your point, it might not be a huge deal. It might not be James Harden's in Brooklyn, but it could be moving player X. So maybe a, a second or third tier level type player to just create a little bit more space and not worry about it. And, and you know, an injury, a single injury, like we're seeing with Golden State, a single injury could derail the potential for a championship contender. And I wonder if it might play out that way for other teams around the league as well. So I could see a lot of changes happening, a lot of trades happening very quickly. And so, I mean, maybe you think it might happen a lot sooner than that over the next few weeks. That makes sense too. Like even then, like if there's an injury sustained in training camp with a shortened training camp and everything else, like you can already say, you know what, there's no chance for us to win a championship this year. If they, if they lose a superstar player to injury, they got to blow things up. And if that's the case, then, you know, pieces could be moved very, very quickly. Yeah, I think just as much as you can see teams understand that they're contenders by January or, or even in training camp and you're, you're out there and you're like, man, this stuff is really clicking. These guys look really good. They look in shape. Like we can make a run for that. Maybe you make a move then. Right. Maybe you're another team that thinks differently and, and – by the way, you don't have to worry about fans not coming to games anymore. This is the year to tank. This is the season. And it's not lost on me that Oklahoma City decided to blow things up going into this year where, you know, this is going to be a loaded draft in 2021. Um, and this is a team that always looks, you know, years and years ahead. I, I think that was part of the calculus for the Thunder to say, you know what, let's just get as many assets as we possibly can. I look at a team like San Antonio, who – we went into this offseason, everybody, oh, look, look at the Spurs. They're going to make a lot of noise, get, hearing a lot of stuff coming out of San Antonio, and they did nothing. I, I still think there's some time for them to do something. Like, LaMarcus Aldridge, DeMar DeRozan, level something, where they try to blow it up, get some assets, and say, you know what? We don't have to worry about selling tickets because we can't. And I'll, Maybe this is the year we tank and go get the next face of the franchise in this loaded draft. Um, you know, I'm not ready to take my eyes off the Knicks, honestly. I know we're happy that they didn't screw things up, but I'm only happy that they haven't screwed things up yet. I'm not ready to take my eye off of them. I don't trust them yet. Detroit with Blake Griffin, did something happen there? I don't know. Um, I still think that there's maybe one more big trade between now and the regular season for so many reasons. Another team may be ready to add one more piece for a run or teams willing to say, you know what, let's tank this year. Let's blow it up. It's just not working here in training camp or preseason. Let's, uh, let's play for 2021, 2022. Um, David, Christmas season is officially here. Thanksgiving is over. And I don't, I don't know if you've been in a car. I don't know if you've been at a grocery store. I don't know if you've been in a CVS recently. But I've been to all three of those places. And Christmas music has been on already. It's, it's December. This is the month for Christmas music. It's 25, mo- it's 25 months, 25 days of it, nonstop. Where do you stand on Christmas music, yay or nay? Uh, I'd have to say I'm mostly yay. I, I feel like there are some key choices there that I am definitely out on. You and I were talking before we recorded. You can throw Mariah Carey and that version of whatever god-awful song that is away, and I'd never have to hear it again, and I would be very, very happy to hear that. Or to not hear that, rather, because I am absolutely sick of that. I can't recall so many times walking around Barnes & Noble or other bookstores and hearing that damn song, or, or again, a supermarket, and just wanting to, like, grab the nearest sharp object and plunge it right into my ears because I am absolutely sick of it. I am more about the classics myself, uh, maybe even throwing a little classical uh, versions of Christmas songs and things that sort. I think that's uh, the, mm. the way that I like to hear some of the music. But I, I won't, I do love the music. I, I'm not going to go out and start playing it randomly, though. I, I just don't feel like I'm that kind of person uh, that just starts playing. You know, I will offer a story here where, where my wife and I were invited to a Christmas party at somebody's house for one of her coworkers. And this person uh, was one of these people who really loves the holiday. 
and and she subjected us all to a version of a song that she started singing for us like that that's uncomfortable enough like you don't want to necessarily be around coworkers. period and you certainly don't want to be at their house uh for these kinds of events and then you certainly don't want to have to hear them singing oh i can't even remember what song it was but uh, that was just too much for me yeah i'm not about to go caroling knocking on doors the covid <laughs> or otherwise it's not something yeah. i'm going to be doing but i am one of the people that will go out of their way to put on christmas music and I know, like, I, I understand uh, I'm half Jewish, last name Goldberg. I get it. But I love Christmas music because I just, I love the, the spirit that, sure. that it gets me into. And I just, I feel it. I'm a, I play music all day anyway. I'm one of these people that wakes up and, and I put on, like, instrumental jazz or classical music when, you know, I'm reading or whatever in the morning. Like, I, that's just part of my routine. And during the month of December, that music is replaced with just, like, uh, uh, instrumental Christmas music. Yeah. So it starts the tone of my day and then I'm like, I'm in the car and I'm finding the Christmas station. I love, I love the sound of like the, 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 the sleigh bells and all that stuff. Like it just gets me in a vibe. I love it. it makes me very nice. nostalgic. I'm not a nostalgic person most yeah. of the year, but in December I get into it. Um, I'm more like you too. I like the classics. I like some instrumentals. I like some classical uh, type of uh, arrangements and stuff like that. But there's been some, there's been some good songs that have come out lately um you have Lil, go-to Nas songs? Lil Nas X came out with a song this year that I really like I thought I think it's pretty catchy Taylor Swift has a good one Justin okay. Bieber has a decent one um there's some there's some contemporary stuff that you might want to check out is, is, do you have a go-to Christmas song that is amongst your favorites um I love anything from the Charlie Brown Christmas album Ooh, big fan of that um and uh Chestnuts Roasting by the Open Fire I know that that's not the name of the song but that's the song that that's like my go-to. That's what always reminds me of Christmas. Okay. Even though I don't have, like, growing up in Miami, like, or in South Florida, like, fireplaces and chestnuts and roasting. Yeah, I had no idea what really that shit thing. was. Yeah, but absolutely. that's like, like, white Christmas never spoke to me. I was just like, you mean hot and humid Christmas? I can get <laughs> yeah. into that. Same as the other 364 days. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. yeah. In Miami, you wake up to on Christmas morning. It's not like you're seeing snow outside. You're, you're probably stepping in a puddle. It's probably raining, and you're hoping it doesn't by the time you start driving around and going to visit family members and friends around. So, yeah. You're just happy hurricane season is over. That's right. That's right. Look, hey, temperatures dropping to the 40s this week in Miami. I'm not sure if people are prepared for it. Yeah, it's going to be ridiculous. Yeah, everybody's bringing out the, the snow boots. Oh, those Uggs have been out for a while. Uh, all right. That'll do it for us today. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked on NBA wherever you listen to podcasts. Please rate, review, say nice things about the show. Thanks to Built Go for sponsoring the show. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, and we'll see you here uh, next week.